Hello, I'm Kimberly Davis, and I am the Fiscal Feminist. Hello, everyone. I'm Kimberly Davis, and I'm the Fiscal Feminist. Welcome to our podcast today. I am also a managing director and partner in the Bonson Group, a wealth management practice in Newport Beach, California, and New York City. So today I'm going to be talking about a topic that has often been confusing for many people as to what exactly the word that I'm about to describe means. What does the feminist part of the fiscal feminist mean to me? The word feminist evokes many different responses when people are asked, what is a feminist? Perhaps your response depends on your generation or your gender or your religious beliefs as to what your response will be to this question. When I came up with the title, The Fiscal Feminist, a lot of people said, why, you know, what's the feminist part about it? And, you know, what are you trying to convey with that? Some people didn't like it. They thought it was aggressive type title. So I was pondering this and I thought, you know, I should address this question as to exactly what I mean by it. So there are many definitions of feminist and which one is correct? Well, I think we all will agree in the end that there is not one definition of this, but the word feminist historically often had a negative connotation. Rebecca West, a prominent English 20th century writer, once commented, I myself have never been able to find out precisely what feminism is. I only know that people call me a feminist whenever I express sentiment that differentiate me from a doormat or a prostitute. The Cambridge Dictionary defines a feminist as a person who believes in feminism and tries to achieve change that helps women to get equal opportunities and treatment. Okay, so what is feminism then? Because feminism is in the definition of feminist. Well, growing up in the 60s and the 70s, I was able to witness what is often referred to as the second wave of feminism. The first wave of feminism was in the 19th and 20th centuries and focused mainly on securing voting rights for women and addressing legal inequalities between men and women. The 19th century feminists were reacting to the widespread acceptance of the Victorian image of a woman's proper role and sphere. Think of all those Victorian novels and movies that you've seen, Pride and Prejudice, Elizabeth Bennet, you know, all the novels by Jane Austen, George Eliot, and the Bronte sisters, where the women in those stories really had not a lot of economic opportunity other than to get married or perhaps become a governess. The first wave of feminists focused on obtaining women's suffrage, education, employment, better working conditions, and marital law. The barriers to education and employment were highly restrictive, leaving women with not many options for any type of financial independence and security, but through marriage. In 1913, the word feminism was a household word in the United States, with both equality and differences being the route to empowerment. The women's suffrage movement in obtaining the right to vote for women represented the first time that women wouldn't be treated as second-class citizens with no voice. They actually could participate in the political process and have their voice heard, at least through their vote. So, as I mentioned before, the second wave of feminism, in which I grew up witnessing, occurred from the 60s through the 80s. Whereas the first wave focused on absolute rights, such as voting rights and marital law rights, the second wave was focusing on cultural inequalities, which were viewed as inextricably linked to political inequalities. 
1963, Betty Friedan wrote The Feminine Mystique, and this book addressed how women often felt stultified in their roles as housewives and homemakers after some of them had graduated from university and had developed skills that they could use outside in the workplace, but it really wasn't possible because there weren't a lot of opportunities and the cultural norm was still to be a homemaker as your ultimate lot in life. Many jobs were not open to women at that time, and it was frowned upon for women not to be homemakers. The phrase women's liberation was first used in the early 60s, and the term has endured over the years. This era had experienced increased female enrollment in higher education, the establishment of women's studies programs and courses, and the exploration of feminist ideology in the fields of politics, history, sociology, and literature. Think women's studies now in uh, colleges being on, on offer as course offerings. The rise of the women's liberation movement manifested multiple feminisms depending on the issues involved because now women's rights and women's thinking were addressing a plethora of issues. Um, We'd gone beyond just wanting to get the vote. In the 70s, feminist activists began addressing political and sexual issues in publications such as Ms. Magazine. Reproductive rights were sought through birth control and abortion, both of which had been universally restricted until the 60s. Women expressed that reproductive self-control was essential for full economic independence from men. Although the Equal Rights Amendment was proposed in 1923, it wasn't passed by Congress until 1972. The ERA is a proposed amendment to the Constitution that would guarantee equal rights for all American citizens regardless of sex. It would require states to intervene in cases of gender violence, such as domestic violence and sexual harassment. It would protect against pregnancy and motherhood discrimination and would federally guarantee equal pay. But the ERA has yet to be ratified because in order for it to become a constitutional amendment, it needed to be ratified by 38 states by 1982, which it was not, and it has an uphill battle to fight to ever come to fruition. The conversation on this topic is still very divided, with some arguing the natural order of things is equal but different, and opponents positing that there is no such thing as equal but different gender roles. So this divided conversation is going to continue on, I believe, for some time as to whether women are seeking absolute equality or they are looking for equal rights, but within a different scope of who they are. The third wave of feminism, which is occurring now, is a response by young women to the second wave and the perceived failures thereof. This wave is challenging the second wave definition of femininity and is dismantling the concept of gender as a binary concept. So it's more inclusive, hence perhaps making the term feminism somewhat obsolete. Some younger people feel it is too harsh a term, alienating and anachronistic, and they would like it to be a broader term to include the LGBT community, transgender individuals, and so on and so forth. So it's, it's kind of evolving in, into that realm now. Now, I'm totally confused. Basically, everybody has their own definition of feminism and what a feminist is. So, in that context, I would like to give you my explanation of my moniker, the fiscal feminist, and what the word feminist means to me. So, to me, the word feminist and fiscal feminist means empowerment. 
Plain and simple. Empowerment. I'm a product of the 70s, and I was inspired by Gloria Steinem to work at a man's world back in the early 80s and claim my place. I remember when Ms. Magazine came out. I remember watching all the news about this movement, and I was very inspired to become a professional woman by all the things that I was witnessing and reading. But that said, I am not a bra burner, and ultimately, I was a stay-at-home mom for 10 years. So in my mind, it is not mutually exclusive to be a powerful woman and to be a wife, mother, stay-at-home mom, and live in that world as well. Men and women are different physiologically and psychologically. Many books have been written on this topic. That said, I categorically disagree with any notion that women are the weaker sex or inferior in some way. These attitudes have encouraged sexism and discrimination against women in the workplace and other venues. Progress is being made in this regard, but it is slow going as women often continue to be paid less for the same jobs as men and they do not occupy as many positions of power as they should. And I also believe that women are still struggling with the work-home-life balance and how to incorporate having a family into a professional trajectory. So these are all very complicated issues. My meaning of the word feminist means the following. A woman who seeks empowerment to take charge of her own destiny. Plain and simple. Doesn't matter if you're in a relationship, if you're on your own and independent, single, whatever it is, you're seeking your own empowerment. You're making your own decisions. You're taking charge of your own destiny within the construct of your life. A woman who will not live in denial and expect and rely on others to take care of her financial future and will have the knowledge and foresight to protect her financial well-being through proactive behavior, because without financial security, it is difficult to move ahead in life. There is no Prince Charming out there. You need to take care of yourself. You can have a great husband, boyfriend, father, brother, but it is your responsibility to know all the facts of your life, including your financial life, and to act on them and be aware. You should not be reliant like a child on another human being. It is a woman who is willing to be comfortable with making others uncomfortable with her success and who understands that others' discomfort with a woman's proactive empowerment is not a woman's responsibility to solve. So if you are a successful person or you are trying to speak to a partner about how you want things to look financially for the both of you, you should not feel uncomfortable that you're making somebody else uncomfortable by being proactive empowered, and intelligent about the way that you're going forward with your life. You don't owe anybody any apologies about going forward and being successful. It's not totally accepted in this world for women to be powerful and successful. Often, women are not perceived in the same way as men in those same positions, and there are studies that show that this is the case. So we have that to overcome. And in that regard, a woman who is a feminist will seek her empowerment with grace, fortitude, tenacity, respect, and unrelenting resilience. You have to be resilient. This is a long game. And we are making a lot of progress, but this is a continued marathon. There are going to be some bumps along the way. You may have to fight your corner more than you'd like to, but in the end, it will all be worthwhile. 
Being a woman is complicated because we need to overcome the historical narrative and cultural norms that dictated our place in society for a very long time. We definitely have more choices today as those beliefs begin to evolve. Many of us choose to be mothers, and that involves circumnavigating the responsibilities of motherhood while pursuing our own independence. And many of us are now confident enough to choose not to be mothers because it isn't what we want, and we shouldn't have to apologize about that. Not every woman should or needs to be a mother. It should be absolutely her choice as to whether or not she decides to do that. Whatever path you choose, my mission is to encourage you to believe in yourself. Take charge of your own destiny, even if you are in a relationship, and to be master of your fate. I'm going to close the podcast with a phrase from Invictus, a poem by William Ernest Henley. Once when I was in a very dark place trying to figure out whether I was ever going to get through everything I needed to get through, keep a roof over my kid's head, keep us moving ahead as a family, my daughter sent me this poem and said, Mommy, this poem reminds me of you. And so I'm just going to give you a little snippet of the last line, which is, it matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. That's it from The Fiscal Feminist. See you next time. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and it's not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information reference herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Ignorance is not bliss. As women, burying our heads in the sand when it comes to our money has dire consequences. But yet, so many of us have employed this detrimental strategy. After over two decades of experience, I've discovered that women face a twofold crisis of competence and confidence regarding how they approach and handle finances. It's time to close that gap. I wrote The Fiscal Feminist, a financial wake up call for women, to teach women how to take charge of their money and control their financial destinies. This book will help you achieve financial literacy, establish the right tools and rules for managing your money and relationships, and to plan for your future. It's time to gain and maintain financial wellness on your own terms. Head to fiscalfeminist.com to order your copy today.